guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another ESL podcast. Uh, man, I am so grateful for all of you as always. And I just want to give a nice, um, what is it? Tell you guys that yes, there is a business English podcast that's available. It should be available in the links as I put it into all the descriptions. And guys, if you haven't heard yet in terms of what I have or are going over in that business English podcast, Ah, there are free episodes that are available. So guys, check that out in the link. If you have any questions, please let me know. Again, you'll see these podcasts, of course, on that link. But then if you want to listen to some of those exclusive podcasts that you see on there, there's a little subscribe button, which you would be able to do if you want additional amazing content in terms of business English, that's investment sales and all that other good stuff. So if you guys are interested in that, Again, go on over there and check it. And today, let's first do a little bit of a vocabulary preview. We're going to be doing suburbs of the future. This is actually a reading, but this is on top of that, a listening. So again, for those of you who read part of the blog, the majority of this, what is it from the blog is actually available in this listening here. It's going to be a 10 minute program. But before we get into that, Let's do some vocabulary. Bungalows. Guys, bungalows. Those are basically little, I guess you could say it's like a detached little small room. These are very, very popular. They call them resorts out here in Thailand. However, a resort is something that's big, it's vast, it's something similar to the Awalani Disney Resort out there in Honolulu, Hawaii, on the western side of the island. Resorts are, and what America and most Americans, what we are so used to calling it, they're massive. They're huge. They have all the amenities, but a resort out here in Thailand are simply bungalows, which you walk into. It's literally like one big studio bedroom, which is very spacious. It has a bathroom that's attached to it. And these are mainly uh, along the beach sides of Thailand. All right. So again, if you want to do some of that, uh, what is it like the sentence formation and all that good stuff, you could go on over there and check out the blog. Uh, downsizing, that means you are reducing the amount of people workload, let's just say employees at a company. So if you ever hear someone say, oh, we're getting ready to downsize, that means people are going to be laid off. They are going to fire people. The majority of car dealerships out there in the world they do an immense amount of downsizing and i don't understand why they continue to hire people when they just fire them a year later thank god i've never worked for a car company but cities have gone up in flames as you've heard from the rust belt uh dystopia and uh another one is of course one out there gm which of course creates chevrolet and southeastern part of thailand in rayong they have gone up in flames they have fired 1500 employees and now of course the prime minister sells the company the warehouse to a chinese company so 3,000 chinese families are going to come in here not saying that that is a bad thing but this is a beginning of probably a massive influx of chinese living people who will be coming here to this country so Again, a lot of people are for it and a lot of people are against it. But nonetheless, that is another topic for another day. We have inaccessible is another vocabulary term. Unsustainable, reside, ethnicities, millennials, and insufficient. So if we talk about ethnicities, you know, there was a guy 
at a bar about eight years ago who was conversing with my brother and another completely brainless human being. I completely forgot her name. Thank God I did. And he was like, well, uh, Arsenia, but you're black. I said, no, I am not black. I call myself black out there in Australia. And when I call myself black, I almost got fired from my job because there is nothing about me that is black. I am an American with a, let's just say Spanish, Native American Indian, African, and possibly four other ethnicities. There's no such thing as black and white. No such thing. But again, they pushed that agenda for more than 300 years and it all originated from a good old America. So ethnicities, that's like, okay, what are you? Are you African? Okay, are you Spanish? Are you Brazilian? America, they have a tendency of uh, creating a bigger box in terms of ethnicities. They say Asian, so they put all Asians into one box. They, say, they put Latinos, so they put all Central American, South American, uh, and of course, Spanish people into one box. And then they use the word white and the word black. So it's kind of weird what they deem to be ethnicities. So we're going to be listening to that in this, uh, what is it, in this audio program. In addition to that, modern suburbia, again, suburbs of the future, you could only imagine what we might be hearing. So there are eight different topics, right? Types of housing, education, transportation, environmental issues, technological innovation in the home, communication networks, community diversity, and business development. I want you guys to think about those eight topics and which ones do you think these speakers who are contributors to different magazines out there are going to be speaking about. So again, I, guys, I love these audios because they're very, very well informed and they, you have the ability to practice your listening. So without further ado, guys, this is a 10-minute monster. So make sure you get your advanced Cornell note style taking notes, whatever you call it out and get ready for some good. Here we go. Herbs of the future. Despite the lure of bright city lights, it is the suburbs which account for the highest percentage of population growth. We asked four leading futurists to give their opinions on the changing face of suburbia. Sarah Kalinsky, regular contributor to The Forecaster. One. As suburban populations grow, so too does suburban sprawl, leading to more and more people commuting into the city for work, shopping, and entertainment. However, the future looks different. Sprawl is making way for density as an approach to suburbanization. Developments aim to provide housing, offices, shops, and other facilities in one area so that residents are no longer required to use their own vehicles to get around and commuting hours are reduced. As a result, the cost of maintaining infrastructure, including roads, could fall by up to 50% per capita, according to some. Two. New developments are likely to provide apartments and houses of varying sizes in the same area, which will allow single people, couples, and families all to reside there. However, properties will need to be affordable, a task which developers have struggled to accomplish in recent years. People on lower incomes have regularly been priced out of the market, making predictions in this area difficult. 
even if housing is affordable at first, the longer-term impact may not be quite as desired. Once first-time buyers sell their property on, the price, determined by market forces, may be considerably higher than the original purchase price. The types of people who were originally able to live there are priced out of the market, and the area becomes middle class, with people from similar backgrounds and with similar income levels. Those on lower incomes or from different backgrounds are excluded. As well as price, construction companies must also consider the local geography before they commence with the construction of buildings to ensure they are as ecologically sustainable as possible. Homes no longer need to rely on unsustainable energy to run. They can even be carbon neutral, although this, of course, depends on sun and wind levels in the area. Companies must be aware that what works in one area may not necessarily be successful in another. Yoichi Katayama, author of The Eco-Futurist. Three. One often quoted benefit of urban density over urban sprawl is the lowering of emissions, as facilities can be more easily reached on foot or by bicycle. However, mixed-use developments are often required to provide substantial parking facilities outside shops and restaurants in the area, which will logically encourage people to use cars or motorbikes rather than greener alternatives. As well as that, Increased density means increased numbers of people and therefore vehicles, meaning the reduction in emissions will be somewhat limited and emissions could arguably increase in that particular area. Having said that, suburbs of the future can still help to reduce the harm we inflict on our environment. Heating bills do not need to cost the earth, literally. By integrating energy-saving features into new buildings in new developments, it is possible for the area to have a much less significant impact on the world around us. 4. Energy-saving features will cost less financially, too. This is significant as new developments must be within budget for not only older generations, but also younger generations. It is very challenging for most millennials to get onto the property ladder in today's risk-averse property market. Denser suburbs promise affordable homes, which will allow millennials to overcome this obstacle and purchase their own homes just as their parents did. Those millennials are likely to come from a range of backgrounds, while suburbs are often considered to be places where similar people live together in rows of houses, which all look the same. The truth is that suburbs are already full of people from very different backgrounds, be that ethnicity, class, or income level. According to a survey commissioned by the Urban Land Institute 2016, 76% of the minority population in the top 50 metro areas lives in the suburbs. And there is nothing to suggest that this will not remain the case or increase in the future. Matt Crawford, founder of the Forward Thinking Housing Association. Five. One possible prediction for modern suburbs is the depression of the housing market. 
When existing homeowners reach an age where their home is too large or no longer suitable for their needs, they will look to sell that home and downsize to, for example, a smaller bungalow. As young adults today are struggling to afford to buy their own homes, sellers may not find buyers and, as a result, prices will fall. Similarly, eco-friendly features such as solar panels may reduce reliance on fossil fuels, but they may also significantly increase the price of homes, which could also contribute to the depression of the housing market. One way to prevent such a depression is to continue to encourage multicultural suburbs through planning and pricing. Mixed housing, i.e. flats, houses, and bungalows in one area, allows people of all backgrounds to live together and share community life. Multi-generational families, many of whom are immigrants, will look to buy the larger homes vacated by retirees. Of course, should there be a depression, it may well help young adults and those on a lower income to get onto the property ladder as prices fall to a more acceptable level. Mortgages may still prove difficult to obtain, however. Six. One attraction of living in new mixed-use developments in the suburbs is that most people will benefit from more free time to spend on alternative activities. The suburbs of the future will be more walkable. No longer will residents have to drive to the city to work, go shopping, or see a film at the cinema. They will be able to do this in the area where they live, meaning less time spent in the car. This is likely to lead to a reduction in both congestion and emissions. Marissa Thomas, CEO of the NEO Construction Group. Seven. Construction companies are becoming better at producing properties that are comfortable and warm without endangering the planet. Providing companies adapt to features in the local surroundings, mixed-use developments have the opportunity to be friendlier to the environment than we ever have before. However, it is not only buildings which will contribute to this. Transportation will too. The suburbs tend to be inaccessible to those who are unable to drive, as public transportation is insufficient as a means of traveling to the workplace. Modern suburbs have a chance to attract those people as they will not need to rely on cars or indeed public transportation to get around, providing them with more opportunities without a loss of independence. In fact, fewer people in the suburbs will need to learn to drive, which will keep cars off the road and help to improve poor air quality. Eight. Mixed housing has proven to be very popular in areas like Washington, D.C.'s Georgetown. The fact that there will be a range of housing types in future suburbs will make it easier for people to move from a small apartment to a larger apartment or an apartment to a house without having to move to a different area completely. Unfortunately, construction companies have focused on properties in the higher end of the market in recent years, as they have struggled to build truly affordable properties to aid first-time buyers. The potential to supply a number of cheaper options for the younger generation and other lower-income families is certainly there, but it is unclear if the potential can be realized or not. Building companies do need to plan with a variety of people in mind before they proceed with their projects. 
Fantastic. Boy, I love that. I love that. And you know what's so good? Because on my computer, I'm able to highlight different things and different uh, like little segments I thought were very interesting. I've highlighted about nine of them. So let's get into this. Leading to more and more people commuting into this city for work, shopping, entertainment. I thought this was interesting because I see this a lot. Now, remember I told you guys that I had gone to a wedding just recently, probably about two weeks ago, right? And as I was commuting in from where I was, it was at a, a, a one of the stations, okay? And again, MRT, BTS, sometimes it's above ground, sometimes it's below ground. You know, Singapore would deem this to be one of the ugliest countries on the planet because the majority of the public transportation, the trains are above ground. But nonetheless, it t it's much, much faster to build it above than below. You know, Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur is very similar to this. But anyways, going back to the topic at hand, there's a place called Bangrak Noi Ta'it, that station I got on at. And as I went up to the platform and walked over to the other side of the platform, I realized that there was a section where people can actually park their cars and get onto the train. This is called park and ride. See, this should be available, readily available at every station, just as it is in Sydney, Australia. You know, when I had to commute to places like Mooney Ponds and, and this place over here um, is Rampstead, um, wherever there was a station in Sydney, and this is why I love it. Well, no, it's not so much Sydney. It's actually out there, uh, Melbourne. There was always parking so that people in that little area could park their car for free and get on so they could commute into the city. Why? Because parking in the city was outlandishly expensive. That means it, it, you know, it reduces the amount of traffic jams. It reduces amount, the amount of carbon emissions, and it's much easier for people. So this is what I love. Like, it, it, but in Thailand, they don't have that just yet. However, at the newer stations like the big red line that's going to be open in next january um the green line subsequently going towards north you know near the airport there is a massive complex somewhere around there i forgot if it's the new one that's going to be opening up this june that's going to make it very easy for me to go to immigration on that side of town um but this thing has about 1500 spaces a lot of you'll be like Psh, man you got nine million goddamn cars in that city that drives in and out of there well, believe me, uh, carpooling and people who also take the bus, they get off at these stations too. So having those, you just need to build more. There shouldn't be like, oh, over here on this line, right outside my window, they have one at Bangwa, that's one station. Wutakat, two. Halaplu, where I live, three. Four, Ponimi, five, Wongwinyai. Out of all those five stations, you have no idea how many people commute through those stations per day, and there's not one park and ride. There is no place that any of those people can park. That's what makes shit just stupendously stupid on this side of the town, because they never thought about that. But you know what? They would go so far to build another 40-floor monster condominium, same little brand that I'm living in by the name of Aspire, just across from me. It doesn't make any sense, but nonetheless, let's keep going. Other facilities in one area, so that residents are no longer required to use their own vehicles to get around and commute hours, of course. And, you know, I mean, the hours that they had to commute are completely reduced. One of my students at one of the leading techno uh, technological companies out here by the name of Bear Thai, I told him, I said, hey man, where do you live? He said, I live at this place called Wong Sawan. I said, oh yeah, that's the, uh, the purple line, right? 
He said, yeah. I said, how long does it take? Oh, it takes this amount. I said, God damn, that takes too goddamn long. Why does it take so long? He said, well, the trains, the people, the this, the that. And I'm like, God damn. So they're building these, uh, these lines, but it still takes too long. Well, the purple line is notorious for taking a long time. However, this blue line, this new one that just gone up, it's fantastic. And what would be a 45-minute commute only takes six minutes now. And this is how bad the bus system is and the lighting system. And some of these stoplights take five minutes. I don't know about your countries, but I would love to know how long it takes out there. See, commuting should be more affordable also. So because the brainless, the brainless of the people who actually run these systems out here, you know, they get someone on the red line. Now, of course, you have a lot of different colors, especially in your country, right? So you got the yellow, the green, the purple, the this, the that. Thailand is going to be opening both the, uh, I'm sorry, the red, the pink, and the yellow next year. Uh, and that's huge, along with the biggest transportation uh, main, the main hub in all of Asia. It's called Bangsu. They're going to be opening in that. But the problem is, if you have to take the red line to the blue line, blue line to the green line, you're going to have to pay three separate tickets rather than just paying one ticket. And this is what makes shit unaffordable. Does that make sense? So keep that in mind. Going into the next part. Three, people on lower incomes have regularly been priced out of the market, making predictions in this area difficult. Absolutely. See, there are different developers out here in Thailand. You have the likes of Pluxa, okay? That's one developer. A condominium developer. IDO, which is uh, reasonably priced for a lot of people, especially office workers. Uh, Aspire, where I live. This is very good because you have your doctors, you have your nurses. Um, what is it? Everyone who's in middle class. A lot of people would say, what, doctors are in middle class out here? Yes, believe me, Thailand, it's all types of backward shit. Um, flight attendants, uh, different families live here, too. I see the little children getting onto the trains in the morning along with their family. Um, and they have studios, one bedroom, which I stay in, and two bedrooms. These are reasonably priced for a lot of middle-class families only. But lower class, they're just over the hill. They're in these little slummy, I wouldn't say slummy areas, but in these communities. Whereas if it rains, it wakes you up because the rain is falling on aluminum, which is just over your head and protecting you from getting wet. Those are priced probably at half, maybe even 60% lower than what this is per month. There's no way that most ties can afford the amount of power I pay for this place and rent. The only people that can are pretty much upper class. Again, it's not reasonably priced. And that's why there's a condominium bubble right now happening. I go into this a lot further, especially in my business podcast. So check that out. We're going to be talking about investment. That's coming up real shortly right now. Homes no longer need to rely on unsustainable energy. Again, having just sun and wind. But again, man, if you have just sun and it's rainy days, what's going to happen? Something to consider too. Now, Yochi Katayama, he made a very, very interesting point. He said mixed-use developments are often required to provide substantial parking facilities outside shops and restaurants in an area. Thailand's building those. However, there are no adequate, there is no adequate transportation that runs through these areas. So they would build like three condominiums, an apartment complex, and this. And I'm like, okay, you guys have literally just built uh, a number of different things in one area, but there is no transportation coming out of there. Then you use and build a 5,000 uh, 5, car parking lot. Guys, that's bringing more traffic. 
You want to take out the traffic. You want this to be green areas, such as what Yochi said. No motorbikes, no cars, just greener alternatives. Build a tram system within the community that people can hop on and hop off. That's why these super blocks actually exist in this country, because the planning is so poor. It's as, just as poor as Indian planning. If you look at the likes of Delhi and these big, in some of the big slum areas, there's no way that you could get in and out by like train or any kind of bus. No, you have to take some kind of car. So, in saying that, denser suburbs promise affordable homes. This is what happens in Hong Kong. However, I do not agree with the whole, which allows millennials to overcome the obstacle to purchase their own homes just as their parents did. See, that's not the point. See, if you purchase a home to live in, okay. But remember, you're gonna have to pay property tax, land tax. That is also another part I'm going to be discussing in the investment podcast on my Business English podcast. Now, for those of you who think purchasing a house, oh, yeah, you know, that's all part of the American dream. No, because, again, if you purchase it to try to sell it, you have no idea the maintenance fees and this and that. Again, hey, I've been talking about this, Robert Kiyosaki, but we need to get smarter. If you purchase a house to live in, it becomes somewhat of a liability because you're going to have to pay property tax, land tax, and maintenance fees every year, depending on what country you live in. So be careful with that. Don't always believe in that whole misinformation saying, oh yeah, for me to be successful, I have to buy a house. No, the bigger the house, the bigger the problems. Always remember that. Now, having mixed housing, flats, houses, bungalows in one area, that's actually good because then again, you have a variety of different people living in one area, right? Now, Thailand, you never have like the ultra rich living in one area, except if it's like big homes and stuff like that, but they're way on the outskirts of town. You don't really deal with those, those types of folks. Um, but over here, you have a variety of middle class, possibly, in, possibly even upper class living in this area, you know, along with some of the poor areas. If you just go right up the street, those are like the lower class, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's slum. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad people. It's just, it's a lower class area but we all coexist in one place. That's what I love about Thailand and India. Big, beautiful condo. Everyone exists with, with, you know, in just slums all around the area. Now, I don't believe so much in slums and having like high class, but like beyond Bollywood crazy rich people right there. I don't agree with that. But again, treat everyone with respect. Now, Benefit, alternative activities, again, I've already discussed that. And um, like I said, the suburbs tend to be inaccessible. That's what's happening out here in Thailand. One of my students just recently, she said, man, it takes a long time. It, I have to wait 20 minutes for this weird carriage to come pick me up and to drop me off in the front to take adequate transportation into the city. See, that's a problem. I'm lucky. I walk right out my, on the main road. I'm on the corner. I walk up the steps, I'm at the train. I walk over and down the steps, I'm at a bus stop. I walk over to the mall where I'm going right now to get something to eat, there's a bus stop there. Heavy traffic in both ways, so I don't go in those directions, but I always access the train. But I'm only probably, I'm, I'm about maybe 10,000 of the millions of people who live here in this city who have adequate transportation right at the doorstep. So. With that being said, guys, so many other things to discuss. If you guys want to know more about, of course, investment, money, and all that, again, 
it's available in the business podcast. But guys, man, I hope you enjoyed this very, very long podcast. If you have any questions, stay tuned for more. I'm your host, as always, over and out.